everyone's presence. If you're if you are visiting with us, we want you to know that you are our honored guest and that we want you to feel welcome and comfortable in studying a series of lessons on some foundational truths of our faith. Brother Monty, a couple of weeks ago, spoke on the subject of truth and the fact that truth comes from revealed to us in the book called the Bible. Brother Franklin last week talked to us about Jesus and he asked the question, who is Jesus? That was the same question that Jesus asked his disciples there in Matthew chapter 14 or Matthew chapter 16. And he challenged us to ask that same question of ourselves, who is Jesus? And hopefully we came to the same conclusion that Peter did when he answered Jesus, when, when Jesus asked, asked him, who do you say that I am? And he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. <clears throat> A few weeks ago, John talked to us about the cross and the amazing power of the cross, all the things that were accomplished there. When Jesus took our sins upon himself and he bore those sins and he paid the price for those sins upon the cross and he he was made a propitiation for our sins. <clears throat> that he redeemed us by his own blood on the cross. And John talked about that the cross was a crossroads. It was a crossroads of history. Because after the cross, everything changed. God's plan for salvation was revealed to us. Salvation was preached to the world in it's a crossroads within everyone's life and into how will we, what will we do with Jesus? What will we do with the cross? And this morning we're going to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in the reading this morning, <clears throat> Brother Bob read to us in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, this, Paul wrote, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, in which also you have received, in which you stand and by which you are saved if you hold fast the word which I have preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Throughout the book of 1 Corinthians, and we've just recently studied this as a congregation on Wednesday nights, but throughout the, the letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he has been correcting certain behaviors that were going on at the, in the church at Corinth, and as he approaches the conclusion of the letter, he brings them back to the, back to the very foundational and fundamental truths of the gospel. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. I declare unto you the foundational truth, the foundational thing of our faith, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, Which I preach to you. When Paul first went to Corinth, the thing that he preached to them was the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, Which also you received. They heard the word of the gospel. They believed 
the truth of the gospel. And they obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, what you've received and wherein you stand, you still stand as a Christian in the hope of salvation and the return of Jesus Christ in the fundamental truth of the gospel. There's nothing more foundational to our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's so foundational that every Sunday when we get together, we gather around the Lord's table as He commanded us to remember the gospel, the most fundamental things, bringing things back to the most basic truths of our faith. As we go through the study this morning, I want to, as I talk about the gospel in, in just very simple terms, in the highest level, the, what we do with the gospel is we have to hear the gospel, we have to believe the gospel, we obey the gospel, and by it we are saved. <clears throat> when Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, he said, I declare unto you the gospel. <clears throat> He said, for I delivered to you, verse 3, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And I want to focus just for a minute on a little bit of diversion and talk about what Paul referred to as according to the Scriptures. And of course, what he's pointed toward in Jesus Christ. He said that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, according to the the things that were revealed to us in the Old Testament. And if we go to John chapter 1 and verse 1, the Scripture says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was nothing made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld... What John revealed to us when he began to reveal the gospel of Christ is who Jesus is that Franklin talked to us about last week, that in the beginning was the Word, and that Word was made flesh, and that was Jesus in the person of Jesus Christ. But that Jesus was with God from the beginning, that Jesus is eternal God. <clears throat> that the plan that God had through Jesus was eternally planned, was planned from the beginning, from the, before the creation. Genesis chapter 3, we go back and look it's just a high level of some of the things that the Old Testament revealed to us about the gospel. Back in Genesis chapter 3, we find in the creation when God created Adam and Eve. And he put them in the garden and he gave them certain things to do and certain and gave them one commandment of something not to do. And we know that they disobeyed God. And because of that, sin came upon man. <clears throat> but in Genesis chapter 3, God gave us the first inkling of his plan of salvation in verse 15 where when he said to satan i will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel which was the first prophecy of jesus christ <clears throat> and the victory that he would gain over satan there in the very beginning in the garden and then we go to Abraham and we see when Abraham, when God called Abraham and he began to reveal to us his plan of salvation and he told Abraham to go to the land that he would show him and he made him certain promises. 
He said, I'm going to give that land to your descendants as an inheritance. And I'm going to make of your descendants a great nation. And through your seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, which was the promise that the Messiah, the Christ, would come through the descendants of Abraham. And then we look at Abraham's grandson, or great-grandson, a grandson, um, Joseph. And we look at the life of Joseph, and we see things that are illustrated in the life of Joseph that were pointing to the Christ in his suffering unjustly for others and his faithfulness through that in going to prepare a place for his family and for God's people there in the land of Goshen. And then we look at the life of David, which we've been studying recently, a man who was after, the scripture says, was a man after God's own heart. And we see things revealed in the life of David that pointed to, that illustrated some things about the Christ that, we, that was to come, including his, uh, his, his kingdom, his kingship, his righteous rule as the righteous ruler. And then we look at the law and we see in the law the things that are revealed in the, the um, feast days and in the sacrifices that they made that pointed to the ultimate sacrifice that God would make in His Son, Jesus Christ. And then we go to the prophets and we look through the prophets and there's 300 plus prophecies specifically about Jesus Christ, including those that were specifically about his death upon the cross and his burial and his resurrection. And so when Paul said to the Corinthians, he said that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, he was pointing back to all of those things in the Old Testament that were constantly pointing toward God's plan of salvation that he would reveal in Jesus. Paul said... I revealed, he said, I declared unto you the things that I first received. And he received those things specifically from Jesus. That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. And in its simplest terms, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that. It's the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. That he died for our sins. That he took our sins upon him and he paid the eternal price for those sins upon the cross. And that he was buried. He was buried because he died. His body was, was killed upon the cross. The destruction that he suffered there on the cross for our sins. And that he rose again the third day for our justification that we know that through His resurrection, that through Him we have forgiveness of sins, that the payment for our sins has been made, that we are justified through Him, and that we have victory over death through Him, that He has secured our forgiveness, and that through Him we have eternal life. In the simplest terms, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that. It is His death and His burial and his resurrection it is the good news we know that the word gospel simply means good news and that is good news to us because all of us have been recipients of the bad news because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin the scripture tells us is death 
And sin has separated us from God. And so Jesus came to proclaim the good news and to pay the price to bring about that good news. After Christ's resurrection, we, we know that we, we read the Gospels and we're not going to go, we're not going to talk specifically about the events that happened in the Gospels and, uh, concerning the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We, I believe we're familiar with those things, but we want to look <clears throat> to specifically how the Gospel was preached after the resurrection of Jesus. We know that after Christ's resurrection, that for 40 days he showed himself to his disciples and preparing them for the work that would come next, that of declaring the gospel and preparing them with specific instructions on how they were to preach the gospel. Before we go specifically there, I want to make a little bit of a detour. When we read through the letters of Paul and the writings of Peter, there are several times that a phrase is, is used to describe the gospel and our response to it. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 16, Paul wrote, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? <clears throat> Second Thessalonians chapter I believe it's chapter 1, verse 7 says, The Lord Jesus, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and in and Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 4, and verse 17, he says, For the time has come for the judgment for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will the end be of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So one of the things that we want to answer as we go through the verses in the, in the study of the morning is to talk about how does one obey the gospel of Jesus Christ? We've already seen that the gospel of Jesus Christ is his death and his burial and his resurrection, and those are factual things, but how do we obey that? And we'll answer that as we go through the study. As Jesus, after his resurrection, as his, after his appearance alive to his disciples and to the apostles, after they had seen and witnessed with their own eyes his resurrection, and as he prepared them, as he prepared to ascend back to heaven, he gave them what we know as the Great Commission. Matthew 28 and verse 18 records Matthew's account of that, where Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus gave them specific instructions concerning what they were to do in carrying out the gospel and in fulfilling the mission of, of, of preaching the gospel to the world in Mark, his account of that, those instructions say this, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. In Luke's account, 
Luke wrote, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Again, what did he say? He said, You preach that Christ suffered, that he died, and that he rose again on the third day. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. If we take those accounts and we, when we kind of put them together, we see, kind of get the full picture of, of what Jesus had instructed them to do. Again, Mark said to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Teach them the things concerning me and the gospel. Luke said that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. <clears throat> Matthew said that they, when they had taught them, when they had taught the gospel, when they had preached the gospel to, for those who heard it, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Mark said, because he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And Matthew also said, and after that, you teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. So Jesus said, you go preach the gospel. You baptize those who believe for the remission of sins. You teach them repentance and, for, and forgiveness of sins. And then you teach them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And what did the, did the disciples do? What did the apostles do? Jesus told them in Acts, the first chapter, it says they were assembled together and he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Jesus had died upon the cross. He had been risen. His, he was witnessed by all of his apostles and his disciples. And he's getting ready to ascend back to heaven. He's given them the instructions of the Great Commission. And then he says, you stay here in Jerusalem. You stay right here. Because pretty soon there's, you're going to receive power from on high. That being the Holy Spirit which is going to direct you and guide you as you go out and preach the gospel to the world. He said, wait for the promise of the Father, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, even to the end of the earth. And what did they do? They did what Jesus said. They stayed there in Jerusalem. It was approximately 10 days later when they were, it was the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was a high feast celebration for the Jewish people when people from all over the world would come to Jerusalem to recognize the feast day that God had, had commanded them under the old law. And so there were many people there. And, what, and where were the disciples? It says they were all in one place and with one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house in which they were sitting. You know, sometimes we overlook what maybe what that sound was. How loud maybe that sound was. The sound of a rushing mighty wind. I, I think about a tornado. I've never been super close to a tornado, but people have told me that they were, said it's, it's unbelievably loud. I don't, I'm not saying it was that loud, but I'm saying it was loud enough to draw attention to a lot of people. 
And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they, were, they had fulfilled the command of Jesus. They were awaiting his, his power from on high, the instructions that the Holy Spirit would give them. And as they're sitting there in this house, suddenly there's a sound of a rushing mighty wind. And on the apostles, there's this image of a cloven tongue that's like fire, and it, and it sets upon each of them, which was symbolic that the Holy Spirit was setting, it was being poured out on them, and that they were going to speak the words of God by the power of of the Holy Spirit and they began to do that not only did they begin to speak but they began to speak in other languages that they didn't know by the power of the Holy Spirit they began to speak in other languages so whoever they talked to in whatever language they spoke they would be able to understand it in verse 5 says and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews devout men from every nation under heaven they were there because of the feast of Pentecost and when this sound occurred the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language when the sound that sound of that rushing mighty wind all the people apparently a lot of people heard that and when they did they were attracted to, to come and see what was going on what, what was the meaning of this noise? And as they approached, as they assembled at this, at this location where the apostles were, then they started hearing other things that were strange because the apostles were speaking as directed by the Holy Spirit and everybody heard them speaking in their own language. And it was confusing to them. It says they were all amazed and perplexed, saying one to another, what could, whatever could this mean? And others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. <laughs> they didn't have an explanation. These guys, they must be drunk. I don't know what they're, what they're talking about here, how they're speaking in these other languages. <clears throat> but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So the apostle Peter stands up. Everyone else becomes quiet. And the Holy Spirit begins to speak to Peter, all, to all of these people who are gathered there. And he says, listen to me. These men are not drunk as you would suppose. He said, but what you're seeing and what you're witnessing was prophesied by the prophet Joel, according to the scriptures. And Peter goes on to quote the specific passages from Joel that referred to what was happening. And he said, and it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit on the, in those days, and they shall prophesy. And he goes further on into the prophecy of, of Joel, and we won't read the entire thing here, but the point is that the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, the power by which they spoke and the truth of the words they spoke was, was prophesied many years before, and it was coming to pass, and they were witnesses of it. What is happening is the fulfillment of the prophet of Joel and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. So listen. This is critically important. 
Peter goes on to say, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God through him, did through him in your midst, as yourselves also know. What does he preach to them? He preaches to them Jesus. He said, you are all witnesses of Jesus. His fame was known throughout Judea, throughout all of the areas that the Jews dwelt, all the places that Jesus traveled. People knew who Jesus was. They heard about the miracles that He performed, the mighty things that He did, even raising the dead, making the, the uh, dumb to speak and the deaf to hear and the blind to see and healing all manner of things. And all of these things bore witness to who He was, that He was indeed the Son of God. And all of these people knew these things. It said, Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. <clears throat> you crucified Him. But it was all according to God's plan. It was all according to God's eternal plan, as Paul said, that it had been revealed through the Old Testament prophets. What was going to come to pass? that we read about in Isaiah chapter 53 or Psalms chapter 22 about the death that Jesus would die upon the cross, how He would bear the sins of, of, all of, our, of all the people and that through His stripes we would be healed, that He was purchasing our redemption. It was the plan of God. He said, You have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. What did Peter do? Paul just, Peter just preached the gospel, didn't he? What did Jesus tell him? He said, you preached the gospel. What did Paul say the gospel was? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, you proclaim that. And what did he tell him? He said, you put Jesus to death. Jesus died upon the cross, but God has raised him up. <clears throat> Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. <clears throat> now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? <clears throat> When writing to the church at Rome, the Apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The preaching of the gospel, there is a power in the gospel that is not from man. There is a strength and a power in the gospel that is beyond our explanation. Because when men hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, when they understand that Jesus Christ died for their sins, when we understand that Jesus died for my sins, that whosoever includes me, that God's offer of salvation is to me too. <laughs> and that though my sins be many, that He offers me forgiveness and cleansing and healing and salvation through His sacrifice upon the cross. And that He is raised again and that through Him I also may have eternal life. 
What that does is it does something to the heart of man, to those who will receive it, to those who will hear it and believe it. And we see that happening here. When Peter preaches to them the gospel, what happens? It says when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. That was the purpose of the gospel. To cut us to the heart. To reveal to us the love of God. To reveal to us the purpose that He has in us. And His desire for us to be with Him eternally. To walk with Him here. To be His children. To be a part of His family. A part of His kingdom. All of the blessings that He offers us through Jesus to realize those things. And what fruit did that bring about in these people? It says it cut them to the heart. And what was their response? What can we do? What shall we do? Isn't that the response that we, would ha- we should have when we hear the gospel? When we understand, Lord, what do you want me to do? I believe your gospel. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Now what do I do? That was the question that they were asking. That was the fruit that the gospel bears. And Peter said to them, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And listen. For this promise is to you and to your children, to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The answer will never change. The promise will never change. That when we receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we believe it, and when we respond, as Peter said, he said, you repent. What does that repentance mean? That means you have a change of heart. That you turn, that we turn from our old life, from a life of sin, from the world, and we turn toward God in surrender to Him, accepting His gift of salvation to be changed. And to be buried with Christ in baptism. To obey Him in baptism. And verse 40 says, And with many other words did He testify and exhort them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day there were about 3,000 souls that were added to them. There were approximately 3,000 people. This was a big crowd. I don't know how many people were in this crowd, but somewhere in that crowd there were 3,000 of them who heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, who were cut to the heart, who said, Lord, what will you have us to do? Who heard the words of Peter, repent and be baptized. And they gladly received those words. They were baptized into Jesus Christ. They were raised to walk in newness of life. And they were added to the kingdom of God. To the church. To God's family. And as days went on and as more people obeyed the gospel, the scripture says the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Only the Lord adds us to the church, which is his body which is his kingdom. <clears throat> so what, in recap, what had happened? Jesus Christ 
had been born into this world. And for 30 years, he grew up in his parents' house. And then he began his personal ministry. And he began to preach the kingdom of God. And he began to perform miracles and all of those things. And then he was put to death upon the cross, as we know, for our sins. He was raised by the power. He was buried and he was raised by the power of God. He gave instructions to his disciples on how they were to carry out the gospel. He told them to wait in Jerusalem till they received the Holy Spirit. And that's what they did. He told them to preach the, the gospel, the death, his death, his burial, and the resurrection. And that's what they did. He told them to teach them about repentance and remission of sins. And that's what they did. He told them to baptize those who believed in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and that's what they did. And he told them to teach them to observe all things that he had commanded them, and that's what they did, because they continued steadfastly, the Scripture tells us, in the Apostles' doctrine. But how did they obey the gospel? For a few more minutes, let's talk about that. What happens when we're baptized? Romans chapter 6 tells us, do you not understand that when you were baptized, you were baptized, when you were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death? Therefore, you were buried with him through baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we will be in the likeness of his resurrection. <clears throat> What did, what did Paul say? He said, understand what happens when you're baptized. You're not merely going into water and coming up. He says, when you're baptized, you're baptized into the, to the death of Jesus Christ. You take part in His death. You are buried with Him by baptism into death. And that you're raised from that watery grave of baptism just as Jesus was raised from the dead. That you should walk in a new life. In newness of life. For if we are planted together in the likeness of his, of his death, we'll also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him. What happens when we are baptized? When we hear the Gospel of Christ and when we are torn to our heart, when we appeal to God, yes, I want your salvation that you're giving me through Jesus. And we repent and we submit, we surrender to his commandment to be baptized. Paul said that we're crucified with him. How is that? Because we're putting to death ourselves. We're putting to death the old person that we were. The person of sin, the person who was a slave to sin, who was an enemy of God, who didn't know God. We're putting that person to death in obedience to the gospel. And we're buried with him. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is made free from sin. Do you see the parallel to the gospel? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul said... <clears throat> I proclaim to you, I declare to you the gospel which I received, how that Jesus died for our sins according to the Scripture, that He was buried and that He rose again according to the Scriptures. And Paul said, understand what happens when you're baptized, that you're baptized 
with, that you're baptized into the death of Jesus, that you're buried with him, and that you're raised to walk in a new life. We take part in the gospel, and thereby we obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we also walk in newness of life. If we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Death has no more dominion over Him. We are freed from the penalty of death. We are born again into the family of God. And we remember the words that Jesus told Nicodemus that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus said, how in the world can someone be born again when they're old? And he said, you don't understand. Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. What, what did we just see? We saw a new birth, didn't we? We saw a person who died and was raised again in newness of life. They were born again through the obedience of the gospel of Christ and the mystery revealed to us through that obedience. For the death that he died, he died once to sin, but the life he now lives, he lives to God. Likewise, also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? We're no longer our own. We're no longer our own, nor should we want to be. We are God's. We are alive to him. As Paul said, we are a living sacrifice, a slave to God our Heavenly Father. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Hear it, believe it, obey it, be saved. <clears throat> never knowing the minds of those who are here this morning, if you've never obeyed the Gospel of Jesus Christ, I hope the things we have studied this morning are clear. If the fact that Jesus died for your sins, you understand that individually that God has offered you salvation through the gift of His love, Jesus Christ, that He died for you, that He wants you to be saved. He wants you to have eternal life. If that has touched your heart and you want to respond to that this morning by being obedient to the gospel, by being buried with Him in baptism to rise to walk in this newness of life, we invite you, if we can, we can assist you with that this morning, if you're a Christian and you desire the prayers of the church, the Scripture tells us as Christians that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we can assist you with prayer and in any other way this morning, we would invite you to come forward while we stand and sing the song that's been selected. <clears throat>